I have a bit of a confession to make this morning. I'm not going to be mentioning Brexit. I'm not going to be mentioning the Welsh victory either. Uh, I think we've had quite enough of that. But we are going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. Um, if you've got your Bible and you want to read it, the words will come up on the screen, but you'll need to go about sort of four-fifths through your Bible because there's more in the Old Testament than there is in the New. And then if you open it up there, you'll find the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew is the first gospel. Then you've got Mark and then Luke and John. So if you're going to follow along, it's all in there. I'm going to be reading from the NIV when I get to it. But I'm sorry, Laura, it's Storm Hannah that's coming next, not Storm Laura. So, yeah, I'm sorry, but it, it is kind of appropriate, isn't it, to be speaking on storms when we've had Storm Gareth, we've got Storm Hannah coming, we've got other storms coming in the pipeline because of where the jet stream is. Hopefully it helps us put in mind what we're, we're going to. So let's read the Gospel of Mark, which hopefully will come up in a moment. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is it? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is a bit of a Sunday school favorite, isn't it? If, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you will have done this 10, 15 20, 30, it's a real favourite, but it puts me at a bit of a disadvantage because I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't become a Christian until I was in my teens. So I didn't have Sunday school and I didn't have those stories, but it is a really well-known story, perhaps all the more so because it's in three of the four Gospels. You'll find a version of it in Matthew and in Luke as well. You know, the, the synoptic Gospels, as they're called, the ones you can read and they all seem to take the same kind of viewpoint, they... They all thought this was really important. They all said there's something here that everybody really needs to know. Which for a Sunday school favourite is a bit surprising, but I think that there are at least three things that we need to know. Three if you're a Christian. Well, actually I'd say, yeah, three, three for a Christian, but one of those points is for all of us to, to grasp, to get hold of. And the first is this. Storms happen. I don't know what your lives are like. I don't know what, it's, uh, what, what your daily living turns out to be. But the one thing I do know is that when you can see a storm in the distance, it's not so bad. Because you can prepare for it. You can do something about it. You can, you can try and take some action to, to perhaps escape it. Or at least you just kind of skirt the edge of it so that it's not as bad as it might have been. The problem is are those ones that seem to come out of nowhere. They're really the hardest ones to deal with. They're, they're the ones that I think we all really struggle with because you're walking along happy as Larry and then suddenly 
it feels like all hell's broken loose, that things have just gone from wonderful to awful. And imagine what it was like for the disciples. Now, the first time I wrote this sermon, I had a whole load of stuff in it going back right the way to the beginning of Mark's gospel. You know, this is the gospel, or this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I, I could have taken you all the way through it, and I read it, and I threw it in the bin, and I rewrote it yesterday, because I thought it wasn't going in the right direction. Because the thing is, all we really need to know is that Jesus had been teaching all day from a boat. He'd been teaching because the crowds were so large that they couldn't actually fit in anywhere, and then at the end of the day, as evening comes, the disciples take their boat up alongside the other one. Jesus gets in and he says, other side. We're going to go to the other side. So they were rowing across the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Tiberias. There's, there's a whole load of different names for it, but they were rowing to the other side, to, towards Gerasa or Gergasa, depending on which translation you read, which is where you're going to come into next week. But they must have been tired. They must have been sitting there going, we've been sat in a boat outside all day. And Jesus has been speaking in parables all day. And now we've got to row six miles, seven miles. And it's getting dark because evening's coming. Oh. I'm looking forward to the other side. I'm looking forward to the sit down and the rest. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to just chilling and looking at the tranquility of this beautiful place. And then the storm hit. If you read the account, there's no warning. It just lands. Bang! Wow. Today, those storms still happen, and they're called the Sharkia. It's Arabic. It just means the shark, because they're so ferocious. They're so deadly. It's, it's because the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains, apart from the low point where the Jordan River comes out. And just like a hurricane, and in fact the Greek word can mean hurricane, warm air off that low lake carries moisture up into the atmosphere and the cold air coming in over the mountains it combines and suddenly without warning the storm hits what was peaceful and calm suddenly becomes utterly chaotic it becomes mad it becomes terrifying do you know what something similar happened to me once where, I can't remember if I told you this story, if I have, please forgive me, but it's quite a significant moment in my life. I'd been praying, crossing the Seven Bridge. God, I don't care how hard my job gets, I won't go till you tell me to go. God, I don't care how hard youth work gets, I won't go till you tell me to go. And I was praying this at about quarter past seven, one Tuesday morning, because I'd been in a disciples group the night before talking about God taking complete control of my life, and I want to give it all to him. I was about five months with a, a new company. I'd moved to work in Bristol, so I was commuting to Bristol every day. The hours were long, 10, 12 hours days every day, sometimes longer. 
I had a lot of responsibility. I had a big area, but the benefits were great. I was getting well paid. I had a company car. I had health insurance. I, it just seemed grand. But I knew on Friday, on that Friday, I had a meeting to go and set a budget for the following year. And so I drove up to my boss's office in Pontypridd. Uh, not Pontypridd, sorry, Pontypool. And I pulled in. I got out, and I was sitting there thinking, it's a beautiful sunny day, and do you know what? It's about three o'clock in the afternoon. Meeting will be an hour or two. Oh, I'll be home early tonight. It'll be great. My, my weekend will start early. And I can remember opening my boss's door and seeing my boss sat there and somebody from personnel. And as soon as I saw that person, I thought, I know. This is not going to end well. And within about 30 minutes, I'd been told, thank you very much for the work that you've done, but we're now changing the way we're doing things. Um, your services are no longer required. You don't need to go back to Bristol. We'll clear your office for you. We'll deliver it to Cardiff. You can keep the car for the month. Um, but goodbye. Bethan was four. Thomas was two. Alary was due in three months. Jan worked full-time looking after the kids. I was the one who worked full-time to earn the money to pay the mortgage. All I can remember is that drive home wrestling with this storm that has just landed in my lap. I can remember walking in and Jan going, how lovely to see you home early. And I kind of went, yeah. I'm going to be around early a lot now. <laughs> it was terrifying. It was made worse, actually, by some folk going along saying, well, if you're in God's plan, if you're doing God's will, then storms don't affect you. You will lead a blessed life. Everything will be rosy and life will be wonderful. What a load of tosh. It's just not true. I did wonder if they'd read the same Gospels that I'd read. I did wonder if they'd ever looked at the life of Peter or Paul or, in fact, any of the twelve. You know, had they looked at the way that they were fully in God's plan? Had they looked at this story where the disciples were fully in God's plan and yet, out of nowhere, a storm struck? But the thing is, and I think that one of the key stories is that whereas we've got to be aware that storms come and they come out of nowhere, we have a response that we're meant to make. That when those storms arrive, when, when the waves come, when everything just seems terrifying, we are not to panic. Because that's the one thing that you do hear the disciples doing. And it's not surprising, really, because... I mean, we did the whole who's been out in a storm, and we've had somebody who's in a storm in, the, in Galilee. Um, I was once in a, well, I've actually been in a storm on a boat a number of times. I can remember we were traveling down to Jersey. To, we got friends who live in Jersey. We were traveling down to sea. Um, the weather had been horrendous, and we were sailing from Weymouth, and Weymouth's got quite a big breakwater. So as the, as the catamaran pulled out, everything seemed lovely and calm and as we approached the breakwater all of the crew disappeared they all walked off and then just as we were getting to the breakwater they all came out with plastic pinnies plastic bags gloves because as soon as we got past that breakwater 
I think there were only two people on the boat that weren't ill, and that was me and Bethan, because we're both quite good at sea. Probably because I spent three months on a lifeboat working there doing my Bronze Duke of Edinburgh, which I didn't finish, which I always feel, guys, if you're doing your D of E, just do the write-up, do the presentations, finish it. I did my bronze and my silver, never got a thing because I didn't do my write-up. Just do it, it's worth it. But for the disciples, the boat they were in, no self-writing lifeboat, no great big catamaran. This is a first century boat. It was unearthed when a drought caused the, the water of the Sea of Galilee to recede. And it's been dated somewhere between 120 BC and about 40 AD. So there is no link to Jesus with this boat, but this is typical of the kind of fishing boats that were going out. There was a covered bit at the back, there's a covered bit at the front, but for those of you that work in meters, it was eight meters long, two and a half meters wide, and about a meter and a quarter deep. For those of you that work in feet, it was about 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and about four feet deep. Yeah, I thought it would be helpful. I know, it's, it's the joys between metric and imperial, isn't it? But think about it. The waves were so big that they were starting to break over the boat and fill the boat. You're miles from land. In the middle of what had been a completely peaceful lake. And suddenly, you're straining at the oars despite being tired. And bear in mind, these were fishermen. These weren't kind of day sailors like me. These were people that made their living going out on that lake, using that craft. And they were terrified. They knew that they were being pushed beyond their ability to cope by themselves. So what did they do? Well... Laura was bang on this morning. They started to panic. They absolutely panicked. And you can hear it in their words. I mean, if you read English translations of the Bible, sometimes we make it sound so gentle. We can almost picture in our heads, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? If you read the accounts in Matthew and in Luke, Matthew makes it more like a prayer and, and Luke more like a gentle request. Hands up how many people would be in a sinking boat, think there's somebody asleep in the back, would go, oh, dread, dreadfully sorry to disturb, but, but would you mind? No. Teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? We're dying here. That is more where they were coming from. They're scared. They're tired. They're at their wit's end. We, we just don't know what to do. And Jesus? Fast asleep. Sleeping on a cushion, a, a sandbag, something like that, in the, in the back of the boat, probably just under the covered bit, where there's just a little bit of shelter. A bit like Jonah. I don't know if you remember that Old Testament story where Jonah is... Uh, you know, running away from God's will, heading off the opposite direction, gets on a boat, storm comes, the sailors are terrified, Jonah's fast asleep. They wake him up. Jonah, what's the cause of this? We know you're a man of God. What's the cause of this? Oh, it's my fault. I'm disobeying God. Throw me overboard. 
Jesus here isn't the problem though. He's the solution. He's the one who's able to do it. But do you know what? The disciples haven't quite got it. They haven't quite worked out who Jesus really is. It's probably why they're panicking. See, I... This is just my guess. This is just my supposition. I don't think the disciples were waking Jesus up to do some miraculous thing. I think they might have hoped he might, but I think the main reason they were waking up Jesus, don't you care we're going to drown, grab hold of that bucket and start bailing with the rest of us. These were practical fishermen. They didn't know really who Jesus was. And you can see that at the end because they asked the question, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They haven't quite cottoned on to who Jesus is. Jesus, though, is authoritative. Quiet, be still. Again, English, so clunky. I say, please, would you just bring the racket down a bit? Hush up. Uh, What he's actually saying, shut up, be muzzled. It's authority. You see, Jesus knew that he was in charge. He knew that he had authority. And then he says to the disciples, once it's all become calm, Can you imagine that happening? Can you imagine calm, absolute tempest, everything going wrong, suddenly calm again? And as the waters have stilled, Jesus just looks at them and says, why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, despite everything, they hadn't worked out that if they had Jesus in the boat, they would be okay. They hadn't worked out that if Jesus was with them, God hadn't finished with them, so there was no need to be scared. The storm was real enough, but Jesus was there with them in the midst of it. And that's the challenge, really, for us today. That's the challenge that God is, is certainly put on my heart, and I think should be putting on all of our hearts Where is God in your life? You see, Jesus could have said a number of things to the disciples, couldn't he? He could have ended it and say, don't be afraid. You'll never have a storm like that again in your life. Yeah, didn't say that, did he? He could have said, don't be afraid. You are strong enough in yourselves to overcome the storm. Uh, No, didn't say that either. He could have said, don't be afraid. When you become a Christian, I'll give you a bigger boat so that storms will never have to frighten you again. Uh, None of those. He actually said, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Where's your belief that he can do something? In other words, he was saying this. Don't trust the miracles. You go back through Mark, Jesus has been doing a load of miracles, healing people, casting out demons, you'll see more of that. He's now quelled nature. He's actually saying, don't trust the act, trust the person. 
Trust me. Uh, a commentator I was reading said this. It's a guy called Brooks who writes the New American Commentary. Mark likely intended to indicate that faith is more than intellectual assent, that is, to trust in a person. This kind of faith Jesus' original disciples should have had, and all subsequent disciples should have. You see, we trust Jesus because he is the one who is able. He's, he's saying, who's in the boat with you? Who's in the boat with you? Because if it's not Jesus, well, you might well struggle. Why is this story in all three of the, four, three of the synoptic gospels? Well, it's because it's important for us to grasp that Jesus is portrayed here as God. And that's for one very important reason. You see, if you look back at Jewish thought, if you look back into the first century, there were loads of people that did healings. They had teams of, of people went out who did healings. And they had people who prophesied. And they had people who cast out demons. They had all of those. But there was one thing that was reserved for God. And that was power over the sea. You see, if you go right back to the beginning of Genesis, you have the picture of the deep and God's spirit hovering over the deep and saying, let there be light and there was light. Because the sea was chaotic. The sea was disordered. The sea was, was evil because it took life with, without a second thought. And yet God could control it. You see it in the Psalms. This, this is a long psalm, but Psalm 107, it speaks. I'll, I'll read the whole thing, only part of it is up on the screen. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Does it remind you of anything? You know, it's a bit like that story we've just read, isn't it? I wonder if God had a plan right from the very beginning. It's a thought... And you don't just see this mastery over water in Psalms or in Genesis. You see it in Job. You see it in Proverbs. You see it all through the Bible. Moses had to hold out a, staff, a staff or a stick. And then God sent the wind. Jesus said, shut up. And the wind stopped. Be muzzled. The sea's flat calm. So what Mark is doing is reminding you, reminding us of everything that was said right at the beginning of the gospel, that this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
So, what are you going to do with this new information? Are you going to go away and go, I learned something really interesting today, that first century Galilean fishing boats were eight meters long by... Uh, well, I hope not. You might do. You might take away that the yo-yo was a hunting weapon used in the Philippines. Well, you might do. I hope you take away, do you have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in your life? Is he in your boat? Because if you're a Christian today and the storms come, and they will come, I, I, I deeply wish that I could say after 30 years as a Christian, 31 years as a Christian, that I had no storms in my life. I've had two or three this year. It's only March. You know, I can think of the things. You, you, you know the kind of stuff, but if you're a Christian, the first thing, if a storm hits, your first response, God, help me in this. Jesus, walk with me through this. Because if he's not in the boat, you're bailing by yourself. And that's never a great thing. We're not meant to panic. We're meant to say, God's got me in this. I might not like it, but it will be okay. Even if I die, it will be okay. But then there's the question, I guess, if you're not a Christian, if you've never put faith and trust in Jesus, well then, the challenge is, get Jesus in the boat. Make the decision. Say, okay, from the things I've heard, from the things I've read, from the things I've seen, I've seen that Jesus was special. But not just a special person. That he is God. Not dead, but alive. So there is a need for us all to respond today because you may well be facing storms. You may well be in the midst of a storm now and everything on the outside looks great, but inside, it's not. Well, you need to pray for wisdom, guidance, to push into God. You might need healing for prayer. Uh, you might need prayer for healing even. You might need God's miraculous help. It might be that you're panicking in the midst of a storm. Well, you might need God's peace and God's help. You might well need to repent, turn to God again and say, I'm sorry. Or you may never have trusted Jesus at all. If that's you, then I'm sure that any leader here would love to speak with you, would love to pray with you. I would as well. I'm more than happy. But the thing is, is Laura said it earlier, and it's true. We fill life up with noise and speaking. We never, or rather rarely, take the time to think through and respond to what we've heard. So I think we're okay for time. A music track's going to play by a band called Casting Crowns. It's called Praise You in the Storm. It seemed kind of appropriate. This is a time just again to pause and reflect what's God been saying? Because I'm conscious my words will have poured out, but God might have taken one thing and said, this is what you need to respond to.
And the thing is, is the reason we're going to play a track, well, it's because I believe that I need to respond, you need to respond, we need to respond, and people who are doing things find it hard to respond. So as the music starts, we're just going to let it play through. It's about four minutes long. Meet with God. Listen to his voice and respond. So let's do this.